What's up, rockers? Welcome to another episode of the Talk Louder podcast, where we geek out on all things rock and roll. Hit that subscribe button on our YouTube channel. Leave us your likes and comments. You can also leave likes and comments on our Facebook page. Follow us on iTunes, Spotify, Instagram at TalkLouder underscore podcast. And, of course, our website, TalkLouderPodcast.com, where we've got links to all our previous episodes and links to buy merchandise, etc. I'm Metal Dave, along with my co-host, Jason McMaster. What's up, Jason? Seems like it's been a while. I, I think that it has, but, you know, we can't stop time and shit to do in between these episodes. So, yeah. Exactly. Well, we got a good one today. We have Charlie Benante from Anthrax, one of my favorite drummers in all of rock and heavy metal. And uh, I'm really excited to have some time with him. We've got about 30 minutes, so we're going to try to cram in as much as we can. But I know you have some history uh, with Charlie and Anthrax. Your previous band, Watchtower, once uh, opened for him. So yeah. give us a quick summary on that. Spreading the Disease Tour, 86. Um... I believe it was Watchtower, Hellstar, and Anthrax at the Ritz, downtown Austin. Um, you know, I remember talking to Scott out in the alley behind the, in the, you know, in the alley behind the Ritz. I remember him giving me some fanzines. I think his brother had a, like a fanzine for a little while. Uh, you know, the SOD record was real hot. Mm, yeah. At that moment, it was new. Uh, what a great moment. Um, and it's something that I want to kind of bring up to Charlie is just, you know, when I say 1986, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? Because I know what it is for me. It was such a great year, and it was kind of like the year that the dam broke for a lot of our music, you know, as far as metal goes. Yeah. Um, but Charlie being, I'm excited just because he's in the big four. He's beyond a drummer. He's beyond the drummer yeah. for Anthrax. Uh, he's an artist. He's a businessman. He's a guitar player. He's a songwriter. He's a, he's into NFTs. He, he's, uh, you know, uh, it's, it's over my head and it's, it's crazy. But yeah. uh, I've, been, I've had the pleasure of, you know, I've never worked with Charlie, uh, but just, you know, being able to say that I've rubbed elbows a couple times with him has is, is enough for me. And, uh, you know, I was pretty close to John Bush, uh, as you know. So his years in Anthrax, I was always a, a, a tag along. Yeah. As you were. Yes. Thank uh, you, by the way. So, <laughs> of course. So, uh, you know, those and just it was it was even better because just, you know, it's it's not just John Bush. It's John Bush and Anthrax and probably not right to separate those. But you know why I did why we yeah. did. No. Well, you made a good point about Charlie uh, being more than the drummer in Anthrax. Oh, yeah. uh, one of the primary songwriters in Anthrax. Um, from my understanding, he writes a lot of the songs on guitar. Yeah. Um, and then fleshes them out with uh, with Scott and, and Frank. Uh, Frankie, who we've also had on the show, Frank Bello, bass player for Anthrax. So this is our second member of Anthrax to join the show. And uh, I have a great memory with Charlie. I was with you one of those times we went to see Anthrax. Uh, we went to Colleen, of yeah. all places. And uh, yeah. I got to sit there and hover over 
Charlie while he warmed up on a backstage drum kit. And, I mean, he was inches away from me, and it was just amazing. And I yes. think he's here. Looks yeah, like he's, he's coming in right now. He's coming in. Ladies and gentlemen, Charlie Benante on the Talk Louder podcast. There we go. Hey. hey there hey. he is. How you doing, man? Oh, good. Fucking hot as hell here today. Dude, we live yeah. in Texas. Tell us about it. It's been uh, it's been like 105 and shit here, man. All right, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No. <laughs> Our high. Hey, we're gonna have a good day here uh, in the Austin area. I think the high today is like 98. Yeah, we're getting a break. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's winter. <laughs> Where are you, Charlie? I'm in Illinois. Ah, okay. Chicago somewhere. <laughs> okay, yeah. so you, you you are still living in that part of the country. Yeah. Yeah. You've been there a while now, huh? I've been here for a while, yeah. yeah like yeah, 16, yeah. 17 years. That thing that I did with Portnoy at the Vic, you were at that thing. And I think you were I living remember. there. Yeah, I think you were yep. living there at that at that point. So. Yeah, I moved here like 05, 06, something like okay, that. Okay, yeah, that was that same year. Yeah. Wow. Cool. Hey so man, we only, yeah, yeah. We, ahead, since Dave. we don't have a lot of time, sorry, we're gonna. It's probably gonna. We're gonna talk over each other probably quite a bit. So apologize for that. Um, I watched some of the bonus features from the Blu-ray, and that shit's fun. Oh yeah, some of the other songs. Yeah, that was. Uh, it, it was interesting revisiting some of those songs that we haven't played in in forever. Um, yeah, you know you. I'm sure other people will understand this who haven't played their older music in, in a long time that when you revisit it and you go back and listen, it's like, wow, I can't believe I played that like that, you know, because the way we play the songs in the set, the way uh, the way they started, sometimes we don't play them like that anymore. They've evolved into a, a new part or just the way you approach it. It's just different. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, the live version is, it's the live version. It's the live version. Everybody it's has like, that. Yeah. It's it's like going back to listening to Kiss Alive. You know, I was just going to say that. The treatment gonna... that those songs got from, say, the first album or even Hotter Than Hell, when you hear them on a live, it's like a whole new animal, man. It's so ferocious. Yeah. 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 Un Unleashed in the East. Same. Yeah. Unleashed want, in the East. If you yeah. want blood. Yeah, yeah. Same, so same, let, same. let's set the stage here, Charlie. So we're talking about it's the it's technically the 41st anniversary of Anthrax. Uh, you are about to release a no, not really 40th anniversary. <laughs> OK, 40th anniversary uh, of Anthrax. And you're about to release a what Jason was referring to a DVD, CD, Blu-ray. I mean, you're covering all the formats on this thing. And it's a it's a live stream concert uh type thing right it's it's uh yeah it is but it's not like on uh let's say we're playing a big stage with lights and everything this was a more intimate kind of um more us just getting in a small room and just playing the songs and um of course this was during the whole covid thing so uh you know we hadn't played in a long time and this gave us an opportunity to get together and maybe dig out some old songs too um and uh, when Chuck D was in L.A. when we were doing it, and he came down, and we did a, 
uh, a cool version of Bring the Noise. Um, Flavor was supposed to come down too, but I don't know what happened. Mm. Wow. So did you record that in front of an audience at all, even like a small group of fan club members or just you guys in, a, in an empty room, huh? With uh, cameramen and audio people. Yeah, I think after like one, one of the songs I heard like, woo, woo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I heard like that. But uh, I was you, gonna, where, where do you get the crowd? Where do you get the energy? Because, you know, typically a live band feeds off the audience and, um, you know, you're 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 doing this and the energy on the performance is great. But you wouldn't even know there wasn't an audience there. How do you sustain that while you're not having the energy of the crowd to feed off of? Well, you know, the funny thing about us is like even back in the day when we were rehearsing in Jamaica, Queens, when we would play the songs, we would always play them as if we were playing in front of a crowd. We would kind of entertain ourselves and just get caught up in the moment and the music and just perform it. You know what I mean? Uh, I mean, it doesn't happen all the time, but uh, a lot of the times we get so excited about um, the power that you have when you're playing and the whole band. And it just sounds like this. Wow. That sounds awesome that you can't help, but kind of get involved and get excited. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 And, and uh, so the devil, you know, is the latest uh, video release from this collection. And the video is right. awesome. I love the video. I love the song, by the way. Uh, anyone that's listening that hasn't picked up Worship Music or For All Kings, if you haven't had the opportunity to pick up the last couple Anthrax albums, they're great. Uh, you owe yourself that favor. Uh, but the Devil You Know video has this great photo montage of of uh of memories of you guys with uh, some of the bands you've toured with and of course there's all the usual suspects kiss and iron maiden uh but a couple that caught my eye there was one of you and phil rudd tell me about the story behind that photo phil rudd the drummer well, for ACDC. Let, let me let me go back a little bit there's a lyric in the song that says my kind won't be seen again that is a reference to the uh, musicians, bands, artists, whoever that we all grew up with that we loved. You probably won't see this again is what we're referring to. Because if you take it to nowadays, I doubt the three of us can say who the latest guy that we kind of look up to is in the past mm. yeah. 20, 25 years. Yeah. Um, so a lot of those photos that are in the videos are people that inspired us, uh, whether it be, you know, when we were really little or whatever. Um, but so that's the reference to those type of photos in there. Um, so uh, ACDC is probably in my top five of my all time favorite bands. And Phil Rudd has always been one of my favorite drummers. And some people may go, huh? What? Why? Um, Phil Rudd is an awesome drummer and is someone that I looked up to since. I heard ACDC. So one night um, they played in town and uh, we, we both have the same symbol company. And there was a lot of back and forth about Charlie's coming to see Phil. Uh, so when I'm in the room with him, Phil comes walking in. And he's like, where's Charlie? Where's Charlie? And he's like, oh, there he is. And then we had this great conversation. And, and of course, I was so happy that I, I got to take a photo with Phil. He's just awesome. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, he's the, the, he's the best. There, yeah, the, you yeah. know, it's I I um, you know, I teach kids how to play music, as you know, and like even kids get cocky. ACDC, I don't want to 
play that song. And I was like, why? Oh, it's too easy. I go, all right, let's play it. Ready? Let's play it. Uh, kick patterns wrong. Try again. Right? They can't play it. They can't play can't it correctly. Play it. No, because... No uh, one can. No, uh, the way Phil Rudd approaches the songs and his, his meter and... Uh, most drummers want to fill yep. yeah. in, the, in the song. Phil doesn't fill <laughs> uh, <laughs> that much. And when he does fill, it's this nice, tasty, blah, blah, boom, blah, blah, boom, blah. blah and you just feel it, you know? So yeah. he doesn't overdo it because Phil understands the role in the band. They all understood the role in the band and the focus was Angus. So... Angus is going to do what he does, and we're going to stay back here. We're just going to keep it. Yeah. You know what the, I mean? Chop the wood. Yeah. Fucking awesome. Y'all keep, so keep the fire burn, and we'll chop the wood back here. And it's funny you said that about kids, because I've been in situations where uh, I'll see some you know famous drummers trying to play an ACDC song, and I'm just like, no, nah, oh, it's no. not it. <laughs> That's, that's, that's not it. And, and I would dare anybody to play a song like um, Let There Be Rock. Mm -hmm. And you keep it up all through the song without, without don't fill, just kind of keep it going. Or, or tempo it's, it's, waver. No, like, don't and, change, and don't exactly. let the tempo fall. Keep it up, man. Yeah. They're awesome. They're, they're just yeah. awesome. They're, they're machines. So, yeah. yeah, so that's why I say. Um, in the in the song, you know, we don't see these this kind again. You know, right? Yeah, that's yeah. important stuff right there, man. Another photo in that montage uh, is Jimmy Page. Uh, tell us a little oh, bit man. about meeting him. How did that happen? Uh, that was um, Scott and I were invited to the Metallica uh, when they when they were in, oh, yeah. uh, in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And um, Metallica invited Scott and, and I to to the uh, the whole ceremony. The whole thing was just so awesome. And Metallica had a party, and um, in came Jimmy Page with Joe Perry. And I'm a huge Aerosmith fan, but when I saw Jimmy Page, I was just like, "Holy shit, dude!" That's like my I'm a guitar player trapped in a drummer's body, but Jimmy Page has always been uh, when you see him. A picture of Jimmy Page, you just smell rock star. And this guy was like such an innovator. So um, I w it was uh, Scott, myself, Ross Halfin, and Jimmy, and introduced us to Jimmy Page. And I thought to myself, I want to talk to Jimmy Page, but I don't want to talk to him about some bullshit thing. So there was this interview that I had read years ago about. Um, the assistant engineer that was working on Zeppelin three had had accidentally erased a part. Um, uh, it was like the intro going into Celebration Day, and that whole piece was erased. So I asked Jimmy Page about that, and as soon as I asked him about that, his face lit up, and he was into the conversation. And I was so happy just to talk to him about that. And he <laughs> told me what happened, and I was just like, God, uh, could you imagine that erasing something accidentally? <laughs> on Zeppelin three, <laughs> so it was it was awesome, and wow. he was he's just such a, a gentleman, and like I said, he is the, he's the epitome of rock star. Wow, wow. well played with your question, yeah, man. That, that's yeah. great. You, you got him, yeah, you I, got him. So I don't know where I, I, the, the, I don't know where I found that one. I was just like, all right, <laughs> apparently in an old interview, man. <laughs> yeah, that's a good Cream, Cream, Cream magazine. 
So um, again, uh, the, the, the photo montage reminds me of just how many massive bands you've toured with, uh, all of your heroes, that sort of thing. And I know you probably get asked this all the time, so I'm not going to ask. And, the, and the, the, the cliched question is, have any of those guys ever given you a great piece of advice or whatever? What I want to know is out of all the bands you've toured with, which guy was the best prankster? Oh, Daryl. Without a doubt. <laughs> this probably goes without saying. Huh? Yeah. Tell us a story. I, I mean, it's like at any given moment, at any given time, you would be in the dressing room and the door would kick open and he would come in and with something, <laughs> didn't know what. And uh, and that was it. Your day would, had, would, would just start. <laughs> you know, it was like it was the circus and uh, it was just so much fun to be around. And every day was another story or another scenario. And days off were even better because you would just go and do stuff that, all right, I guess I'm going with this, you know. Um, and it was just fun. It was fun. I miss those. I miss those days. Yeah. Uh, I miss those guys, too, a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that was uh, so much fun, those tours. But there was one situation that I always talk about on that tour where I was so sick, dude. I, they, had, they took me to the hospital. I was dehydrated. I was running a fever. And I was in my bunk just laying low. And if any of you have ever, you know, you've been on the bus, if you're in your bunk, you could hear when the door opens and then there's that boom. And I hear footsteps and the door opens and then my curtain gets pulled open and it's him. And he's like, I heard, you, I heard you're sick. I'm like, yeah, I'm sick. And he had some shots. And I'm like, dude, the last thing I want to do is have a shot of anything right now. I, I'm like, I'm on medication. He's like, booze is the healer. He always believed that booze would heal anything. So I ended up doing the shot with him and it actually didn't, it, it made me feel better. And I played the show sweated out and then about a half hour after the show dude i was fucked up again so um but he's right though booze did heal me for that that gotcha. time period got gotcha you know? through it got gotcha you through yeah. it yep. yeah so the dvd is celebrating uh 40 years i mean that's that's a that's an amazing career uh what would you be doing career-wise if you weren't able to sustain anthrax for 40 years where would you be in life right now oh god that's 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 a tough question to answer because it, it would probably be something in the music uh, field or, or the art field. Yeah, so you, I, I don't. You spent some time in the art department at one of the labels for a little while, yeah. A lot, a lot. Yeah. I learned a lot from them, and yeah. uh, I think that's where I would be. You know, um, I don't know. You know, it's always my my dream thing is to have a place like a, a coffee shop in the day. And then at night it turns into like a wine or whiskey bar. Mm. And I'd have a little stage where someone could get up and talk about whatever they want or sing about whatever they want. And I would just make it as eclectic as possible. And anyone who wants to come in and have a, a drink could just come in and just hang out. You know what I mean? So yeah. I, I would love to have a place like that. Well, you know, maybe someday when you retire from anthrax, <laughs> I don't, if, if that day ever comes, don't he's, give he's him shaking any his head ideas, no. you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah right. Yeah. yeah. That would be a fun thing to do. Uh, Billy Corgan has a place in, uh, in this area called Highland Park, and it's kind of like that. And when I walked in there, I was like, wow, this is cool, but it's big, you know. 
Um, but I, I saw this, like I had this vision of, wow, I would do that. I would do that, you know? Mm -hmm. So, but that's cool. He, he has a place there. Yeah. I think yeah. I really, really like the idea of, yeah. uh, you know, cause I, I'll be the first to say it. I, I'll speak for myself. I'm not getting any younger, but to have a, a chill place like that for, you know, uh, dinosaur rockers, you know, to go, to go to at the end of the day, you know, the pasture, you know, you call it the tar pit, something. Yeah. Just a place that you end up, you know, uh, day's end, you know, some kind of thing where exactly how you described is this sort of uh, chill. And uh, yeah, you know, it's funny, uh, like that term dinosaur rockers. Um, I've always I used to think about that when I was younger, especially when I was like into the Sex Pistols and stuff. And they they hated like the Pink Floyds or the, you know those type of prog rocky bands. Um, and a part of me understood it too, but I don't know. It's just kind of a weird thing nowadays to to look at ourselves as that, even though we're not prog rock, you know. But um, right. but I don't I don't know, man. I don't know if it's it's. Uh, if this is all just timeless now and I don't know if you're going to date anything because there's always a new generation picking up on it. Um, yes. Which is such a great thing because of, of their parents or their older brothers or whatever. There's always going to be someone to say, I took this from my brother's room or my dad was playing this and I fucking love it, you know? So, I mean, when we play, I mean, just the other night, we played Milwaukee Summerfest. There was a bunch of kids in the crowd. And this one kid had a sign in the front, and he wanted to sing um, He wanted to sing this. Uh, we did this album a couple years ago uh, called Anthems. And on it, we had uh, an ACDC track, TNT. Yeah. And this kid had a sign that said, can I sing TNT with you? And we were like, okay. So we brought him up, and he fucking sang TNT. And it was nice. Things like that, that, um, man, it just goes a long way, you know? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, that passing of the baton, I think anthrax is just as much as anybody oh, yeah. in our collections or our older brothers or cousins' collections that were passed down to us. You guys are still doing it. You're still passing yeah, I, I batons. Know. You're still influencing. You're influencing yeah. new bands of you know whatever genre any genre of that's under a umbrella of metal some of them are going to say anthrax and yeah. so that has yeah. to feel really good yeah oh it definitely does it yeah. definitely does yeah i don't take it i don't take it for granted at all i, I have a uh uh i have a weird question when when my band watchtower played with you guys and hellstar i believe was on the bill uh, in 86, uh, spreading the disease tour, you guys had this banner. It was like your drum riser scrim, and it had a yellow anthrax logo on it. Someone made that. Someone made that, and you guys, yeah. you guys Kept like, it. Velcroed it to your drum riser. Yeah, we loved and, it so much. <laughs> it, well, <laughs> well, I could tell because I think I'm like stage left or something, and I saw the whole thing happen. Somebody in the front row jumped up and grabbed it off the riser and dove in the crowd. And, you, dude, you stopped playing and jumped over the kit and was like, hey, fucker, 
You're giving that back, right? (laughs) I'm I'm amazed at, well, you know, I'm not saying that you wouldn't remember it, but that was so long ago. Dude, back in those days, we had um, a half of like a metal crowd and half of like this kind of hardcore punk crowd. And sometimes uh, shit would break out and people would just do things like, uh, like, like as if it was theirs. I'm taking this, like you said, you know, Um, and, uh, that was, you know, that was like our first real tour. Yeah. Uh, I mean, because we did a, a tour with Raven in like 84, and then we did some stuff in 85. But 86, we put that record out, and we were we were gone. I mean, we were yeah. out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Still yeah. gone. Speaking of gone, you're about to go out with Black Label Society. You've got a tour coming yes. up that launches next month in July. Black Label Society and Hate Breed. How much history do you have with uh, with Black Label? And as a guitar player, have you ever been able to sit backstage with Zach and trade licks? <laughs> no, but I will. Um, <laughs> uh, actually, uh, here's a bit of uh, you know info. When we did a we did a tour with Ozzy in 1988 uh, or around that it was like Stadia Euphoria, and he had. Um, what was the record? Uh, mm. Something No Rest for the Wicked or something, yeah. maybe, or something like that. Yeah, yeah with um, like Miracle Man and all that shit on it. Yeah. Zach was a guitar player on that tour. It was his first right. tour ever. And um, we actually met each other for the first time back then. And um, I'm looking forward to it because I, I we've known the guy forever. And... Um, we know a lot of the guys in his band, especially JD, and I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, it's yeah. a great package. Yeah, I agree, and it's a different. You know, you got different styles of metal going on, so right, but yeah, pl- plenty of heavy to go around. Yo, yeah. Hey, we should talk real quick about Silver Linings. Uh, yes. Wow, what what a what a collection of talent you got on that, and what a great song list or song, set of songs. Awesome. When you, you were putting that together, collaborating with all your buddies, did anybody come to the table with a with a hidden talent that you didn't know existed? Did anybody surprise you with any of their uh, creativity or their ability? Oh, it's funny you said that. Because the people that I, I picked to be involved in this, I, I always thought that I heard something behind what they do, you know, for a living, if, if you know what I mean. So right. someone like Mark, Mark Osegata from Death Angel, I always heard this Bono type of vocal, like his, he sounded like Bono to me. And then my nephew, uh, Frank, who's in the band, I always heard a quality uh, out of him too. And I thought the two of them would be perfect for that song, the U2 song. And it was. They both nailed each part so well. Um, uh, and uh, it didn't shock me, but it shocked other people. Um, and then um, the other song was the uh, Mother Love Bone song that awesome. Mark and I, whenever Death Angel were on tour with us, Mark and I would always spend nights on the bus listening to bands and music that uh, we, we loved. Uh, but, you know we really didn't play music like that. One of the bands was Mother Love Bone. And we always um, talked about that song. Uh, and when I convinced myself to do that song, 
uh, you know, I'm like, Mark, I'm going to do it. Do you want to do it? He's like, fuck yeah, you know? And um, he did a great job on that. And he's such a big Andrew Wood fan, too, that he wanted to kind of do it exactly like Andrew Wood, you know? Um, so he, he nailed that tune. It's one of my favorites on that record. Yeah. I Same. love the record, if I can jump in here, because yeah. there's not... I mean, every it's like these different levels of what, wait, what? Oh, yeah, okay. Sure, the Kiss songs, everybody knows you're a huge Kiss freak. Yeah. Uh, but there's a lot of things on here that are surprising. Um, and I also have to mention, Dave already mentioned it, but the list of, of peeps that you have here, I mean, it literally looks like a set list or a guest list. You know, of, of people yeah. that's kind of like, you know, stuck on the back of the record. I thought it was an interesting way to do that so everyone could see. And I did run into John Five last week in Atlantic City, and I was able to, like, go, dude, all the way. And he's like, yeah. I'm like, I was yeah. asking him where you guys got those fucking masks from. And he's like, oh, those were in my collection from the 70s. I'm like, what? You know, I, I should have known that. But, uh. Um, I wanted to also ask, did you guys pre-record your tracks for the videos that you made during the yeah. lockdown? Okay. Yeah. yeah and yeah. then just I, mime mime to videos and, yeah. and edit and stuff. Right. Right. Because I tried to do it. One of the original ones, we tried to do it that way. But if someone has bad internet or something, sure. there's going to be latency issues. And yep. it's just, it's never going to work. Um, so it was like, well, let's scrap that. <laughs> You know, we really wanted to be a purist and try to try to do it that way, but there's no way you could do it. So uh, had to do it this way. Yeah. And um, the the best part for me was the uh, the attention to detail. And that's the one thing I told everybody. I said, put yourself in it, but really put yourself in the body of the band that's doing it. Try and really capture that um, because that was important uh, to me. I wanted it to sound like like. Some of those Kiss songs, people thought we were just miming it. And I said, no, no, we recreated it, which, um, you know, uh, because of that, uh, I did the classic 78 record. Yeah. Um, I and those to guys, bring, yeah, I wanted to those bring guys that sang up on too. that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That, the, dude, dude, that's such a great album. <laughs> I mean, you be kind of belong in that project, I, if, if I, you don't mind me saying. I think that that's I had a, to do it. Yeah, dude, because the 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 idea that those guys have to, to have that to take the sound and you know what sound I'm talking about and sort of like just keep it as tight as it can to that classic kiss tone. Absolutely. Yes. And yeah. nail it all the time. OK, that's let's turn on the let's flick the ace switch here. Let's flick <laughs> yeah. the ball switch here, you know, so yeah. and yeah. you are uh, you're good because you have that producer brain where you can kind of put things together and make sure. No, nope, it's not Gene enough. Do it again. Uh, who who sang? Was that PJ singing the Gene on All the Way? Who sang All the Way? No, actually. OK, so the, the two guys from Classic 78, okay. Tom and Joe, Tom handles the Gene and Ace stuff, and uh, Joe handles the Paul stuff. Um, we haven't found anybody who could do Peter, but we may have found someone. But um, the, the the thing about that record is I wanted that to sound just like uh, Eddie Kramer had produced it, or, or, or just get the tones to sound exactly like Kiss did. So 
it, it was a bit of a task to do it. Um, getting that snare drum to have that Peter kind of boing, that honk, you yeah. know. Um, so it took a little time, but I was so happy at the end, at the end of the day that we actually captured it, or at least tried to capture it. Nah, you yeah. did great. It's a great talking about silver linings here on Talk yeah. Louder podcast. Everyone should should go get this. Can can they just get also, this on the website? Yeah. Megaforce. Yeah, they, uh, yeah, okay. yeah. The okay. um the the Rush EP is gone. It's sold out. Oh, uh, we I was just gonna mention that. You know, I didn't yeah, even that. know about that until Dave turned me on to it. I was like, what? I love. I, that I didn't you, even know about that. I love that you did oh, subdivisions because this this may not be a popular opinion, but subdivisions is my all time favorite Rush song. <laughs> It, it, it speaks to me. It transports me right back to high school and all those things you deal with as a kid, conforming and cliques and, you know, the stoners and the nerds and the preppies and the what's next in life and all that sort of thing. Well, you know, the thing about that song and other Rush songs, too, they really hit home later on for me. Like uh, if back in the day I didn't really get all of it, I got it later on. Um, a, a song like uh, Spirit of Radio. Mm -hmm. um, those lyrics are—they they mean a lot, especially if you're in the business. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? So what, we got one more quick one, and then we're gonna have to let you go because I know our time is running out. But uh, again, you—you've—you've you've, forty years. You've toured with your heroes. You've been immortalized in pop culture on The Simpsons. Married with children. Two shows that I know you're fanatical about. So that had to be an honor. You broke musical barriers with Public Enemy. You played Yankee Stadium. You're in the Big Four. What else is left on the bucket list for Charlie Benante? Don't forget Calendar Girls. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. I, I wasn't a part of that. Um, you know what? I don't know what's next, to be honest with you. Maybe it's that place I was talking about, coffee slash wine bar. But um, I, I think this year people are excited for bands to go, get out there again and be a part of something because they missed it for two over two years. So I think I'm focused on that and trying to focus more on getting this record done and getting the record finished and having it out there too. It's just taking forever. Yeah. There's been so many roadblocks. Well, if it's in, if it's following in the same footsteps as worship music and for all kings, it's going to be a winner because those two were home runs right out of the park, man. They were awesome records. And, oh, it sounds uh, it's kind of going that way, but it's a. Uh, of course, I'm going to say that it's different because it's new, you know. Sure. Uh, but the songs have a lot of man. The songs just have a lot of heart to them. Uh, and I don't know if it's because of the lockdown that we just got a little more emotional, but uh, yeah, I, I, I just think it, it, the record has a lot of heart to it. Age and experience, as well as you know, just the shit storm. The shit yeah. storm we've all had to endure, and yeah. you got to write songs now that reflect. <laughs> got to write songs, yeah. right? But I don't. We're not going to write songs that reflect that. You know what I mean? I think it's going to be more from the inside of yep. uh you know the emotions we're not going to talk about this political thing or that thing or it's just going to be a, a song a, a record that people can just enjoy sure you know? yeah well we're looking forward to the tour black label society and hate breed along with anthrax uh going out in july we'll see you in austin i hope i, I think you got a date at Stubbs in austin looking forward to that 
And uh, again, the 40th anniversary. Congratulations, man. We wish you 40 more. And uh, we thank you for spending time with us today on the Talk Louder podcast. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Love you guys. Thanks. Take care, man. Well, we've done it again, Dave. Charlie you know what that? Yep, that thing is. We've had someone from the Big Four on the second show. time, second yes. time, and uh, both members of Anthrax, Frank Bello, and now Charlie Benante join yeah, us. Yeah, I mean, uh, hope that they're okay with our silly little podcast. Us saying, you know, hey, we're we're <laughs> pro Anthrax because they, you know, if they're the only ones we ever get from the Big Four on here, let's let's never say never. I'm okay with that. Yeah, never say never. But you know, they they uh Frank was is still one of my favorite guests that we've ever had and Charlie of course was great today as well. They're just um, good people and you can tell. They're they're not they care. They care about everything that they put their everything they do, they put their whole soul into it. Yeah, and Charlie, you know, uh you mentioned and he mentioned uh he's he's a great artist, man. I mean, yeah. so his his stamp is all over Anthrax. Uh, I don't know how well people are aware of that. They know him as the drummer, but he does the album cover artwork and the t-shirt artwork and they've got sideline things that we didn't even talk about today like comic books and graphic novels and all that. And uh and, he, and Charlie's he, a he's big like the guy in in the band that should have like three books out by now. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, he probably does as far as if you added up all the comic books and whatnot. And don't forget, he's also so. got his, his, his coffee empire, too. So he's got his own brand yeah, of coffee. Yeah, we didn't even talk about that. Yeah, well, you know, he only had 30 minutes. He's another right. one of those guys we could talk to for a week and probably still not touch on everything. Yeah, he's but, an onion. Yeah, lots of layers. Yeah. But I was yeah. happy to have him. He was great. And, Super uh, happy to have him. I'm all like... Uh, caffeinated right now just like like <laughs> fucking ready to just talk to charlie for hours and, and knowing and knowing that we only had a half hour that was kind of whatever but yeah, dude he I, brought up the classic 78 i don't even know if you know about that do you know do. about that right okay great and you know what else i know about that a former guest of ours did the artwork yes that's right claudio, claudio bergaman yes so i right want to say that i heard about classic 78 also from claudio bergman mm. uh sent me some links to some stuff and i was like whoa this is i mean it was kind of a mind fuck listening to it because i'm yeah. such a kiss nerd um right. and i'm going i get i had get it right away um some songs i liked better than others you know sure. I, don't, I don't know if they took one or one or two too far you know as yeah. far as what it is they're doing but that's kind of the idea right yeah so when i heard that charlie was was just to be clear to people who don't know classic 78 the goal is to sound like the the um the sound that is 70s kiss yeah early kiss they got a guy that can sound like paul they got a guy that can sound like gene they got a you know they're they have this whole thing that's sort of like uh um not throwback or not even trying to be future it's just this like sort of frozen time machine that can move move around uh, just enough to uh be the world uh, that was how large and in charge kiss was in the 70s by tone 
by uh, association of tone, a style of art, a, you know, we use Pearl drums and Gibson guitars because we want the best. Yeah. Anyone who knows where they first read that sentence, yeah. they need to hear Classic 78. Yeah, exactly. Um, so. it, I've heard some of it, and it does sound remarkably uh, very much like some something between uh, Dress to Kill and Rock and Roll Over. Yeah. It's, it's right in that alley. Yeah, it's super fun. Classic 78, if you And I want to try out for the sounding like Peter Chris guy. <laughs> yeah, I, saw, I heard there was an opening. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> yeah, somewhere. Yeah. Well, this has been awesome, and uh, people who are addicted to talk louder, please tell your friends to get make more friends. Just if if any reason, if you don't want more friends, I get it. But if you if you want if you're looking for more friends, make sure you're wearing your talk louder T-shirt so they can say, "What the hell's that?" Yeah, and so. and share our links when we post them, please. Please, please, please. So yeah, and, big thanks to Heidi, big thanks to Mary, and of course, thanks to Charlie Benante for joining us today. That yes, awesome. yes. On go see Anthrax from, and, and Black Label yes, Society Anthrax, when they come Black to your Label, town. And Hatebreed, that's a great triple bill. So that's uh, seriously heavy. Kicks off in July, runs through August, coming to a town near you. All right, man, that's going to do it for another episode of the Talk Louder podcast. On behalf of my co-host, Jason McMaster, I'm Metal Dave Glesner. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you next time.